Thanks for joining me and thanks for uh, agreeing to talk and just have a little bit of a um, reflection on your week here. Yeah, thanks for having us. No problem. Uh, so I just got a couple questions here. Um, first thing I just want to start with is when did you first hear about this project to build this house? When did you first hear about that? Well, I would say it was me hearing about it first uh, through uh, your wife, Maria, yes, posting a something on uh, on social media about uh, needing to raise money to purchase some land in a house, and that would have been a few months ago now, obviously. So from there, it was feeling like, sure, I'd like to contribute. I think we gave some money right away to that cause. Uh, we've obviously wanted to support you uh, staying in the area, but it wasn't uh, until quite recently that everything kind of culminated to where I felt like I wanted to do even more. So that's, it probably was within three weeks that I decided that I was going to come, come out here. And I decided I wanted to have someone come with me if at all possible. So I gave my good friend Ryan here uh, a call and he jumped on board. Yeah. Yeah. Called me out of the blue. I was like, Hey dude, I'm traveling to Europe. You want to go? That, that's the first I heard of uh, what was happening here. Uh, so we talked a little bit more about like what the trip was and, and what um, kind of spurred him on. And uh, yeah, it was kind of exciting to, uh, to, to hear the need and to have an opportunity to come back to Romania. Uh, I'd been here about 20 years ago and uh, I loved it then and love it now. So how many details did you know at the beginning, Joel? How many details were you able to uh, figure out just from the posts and following us? And Ryan, when he called you, what did he tell you that we were doing here? Well, he said uh, that you're, you're building the house for uh, a, a family that was just in really a, a, a place of need. And um, he didn't know how far along the house was. He didn't know what condition the house would be in. He didn't know if we'd be putting the foundation in or if we'd be helping move furniture in. Like there was just kind of a wide open, like we're going to go help invitation and um, it could be anything. Right. I was, wasn't even sure if uh, it would just be the three of us out there just swinging a hammer and not knowing, uh, what needed to be done, but uh, I was quite impressed when I got here. I realized there was actual crew of some guys that were yeah. were uh, being employed, and um, it's kind of like a a great win for everybody because obviously you're providing this home and this opportunity for someone to just come literally out of dire circumstances. And we visited that place personally, and we see just the 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 poverty that these people are living within and, and, and the situation. But uh, in addition to that, to pro providing that need, it's also providing employment. And um, it's, it's amazing how far the American dollar is stretching to, to achieve that. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really inspired me. Once I got here, I felt like there's got to be more, we, there's even more ways we got to keep giving. So, so about that uh, poverty, have you experienced or seen poverty like that before? I've seen it in India when uh, I visited there in 2015. And I saw open sewers on the side of the street, piles of garbage, 
uh, just about every corner and everywhere. Uh, the amount of flies that were all over everything. So I, I witnessed that. And it wasn't until coming here, uh, visiting one of the, the slum areas, literally here in Romania, there's places where people are living in, in the midst of, of garbage and the amidst, uh, in the midst of like a garbage dump, if you will. And, uh, but that was probably the first time, in fact, I know it was the first time that I actually walked into one of those little homes and uh, watching the, like I said, the flies scattering. That's just the, the thing that sticks with me. You know, just, you know, you do everything you can not to crawl out of your skin because of just how, you know, I think it's just inhumane in some ways just to live in those conditions. Yeah, um, um, I, I think it depends on how you define poverty. You know, sometimes uh, we look at poverty as people not having the same lifestyle standard as, as people in America, yeah. you know. Um, and, and seen that in lots of places. But people are happy, like joyful. They might not have a TV or electricity, but they've got all the food they need. They've got a house over their head. They've, you know. So in, in some ways, we would define that as poverty. And, and that poverty, really, there's nothing to do for that because they're living a joyful life. They just don't have the luxuries that we, that we kind of normalize in America. But then you have poverty that is the absence of some of those basic needs, like a clean, safe place to stay or food enough for every day um, uh, or safety, even um, depending on the, the circumstances. And that, <clears throat> you know, I, I've, I've traveled in Africa and there's a number of places there that they have both types of poverty and um, it's just interesting to see that people can be so joyful in, in different circumstances, but then to see the, those basic needs still needing to be met and, and just wanting to do what you can to help out. So for um, people who maybe not have heard about this story, one of the homes that Joel is talking about is a family who lives uh, behind the garbage dump of the city. Uh, there are multiple garbage dumps, but this is the biggest one, the main one. And this family um, is one of many families that live uh, in this area. We go and give food to people in this area every day. It's part of our, our route for giving food. But this family specifically is, I believe, six kids and two adults. And they were living with um, the mother of one of the parents before. But due to the family growing uh, and the, uh, the mother or the grandmother not being able to really provide for them room or anything, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but the family ended up kicked out of the house. So this family was sleeping, I think, three or four nights in the open air, just in their little wagon. They have a horse attached to a wagon. And so it was just the eight of them sleeping in this open air. And they have very little kids. They have kids that are from under one year old up till I think the oldest is about 10. Um, and one of our pastors here found them and was able to find an open room, I guess you could say, 
in this building where many of these other people were living. Uh, the building used to be a office building of sorts, but was abandoned right behind the, the garbage dump is where it is. And it was abandoned. And then poor people or homeless people ended up moving into these offices and just kind of claiming a office space for their own. And it's a completely rundown building. And so there was space for this family. So they moved in. Uh, if you, I think Joel posted some pictures on his Facebook. You can see just their house. Uh, I mean, a house is not really the word that you can use to describe it. It's uh, two rooms that are just right next to each other. And uh, that's where all eight of them stay. Um, and the parents work uh, along with a lot of other people every day in the garbage dump. Uh, they scavenge for things to sell. And um, so usually the oldest child, a 10-year-old girl, stays at home with the, the smallest kids and takes care of them all day while uh, some of the other kids and her parents are out scavenging for, for things to sell. So that was one of the situations that, that Joel and Ryan were discussing. And that's, yeah. Yeah. In that situation, too, it's like trying to, you try to imagine what that's like. And the only thing I can think of is thinking about maybe my three to five worst days of camping where I was completely unprepared. Maybe I had, you know, a tent that had a tear in it. It's raining. There's mud everywhere. And you brought the wrong clothes. And you bring the wrong <laughs> clothes and you're too cold and your sleeping bag is wet. And then try, and then to just say, and now guess what, Joel, you get to live like this every single day now. You know, like that's kind of what it, it feels and, and that's the sense I have of it. It's just like, uh, and, and the only way I can make it better is to slowly accumulate maybe a better sleeping bag or a, fix the hole in the tent. And, you know, but in the meantime, I still have to go get food on, on a daily basis. I have to get water and like I, I have to provide my very basic needs. And so um, I don't know the game plan for a lot of these people and what their, their goals in life are. I'm sure it's just survival. Um, but I feel that by providing this food on a consistent basis, it's more than just, you know, giving them a meal for a day, but, but because of the consistency of it, maybe it provides the opportunity to start to talk to them about these next steps to better their lives so that they can stop, uh, stop the bleeding, if you will, stop the, the, the situation where they're just, they're in dire straits all the time. Cause I, I think it's very difficult for anyone to turn around and serve others when your own needs are are not even being met. And so the more that you can help to bring these people out of this, out of these conditions, I think, um, obviously that's going to, uh, be able to spread the, the, the gospel, you know, the, the joy of Christ in their lives, because they're going to realize that more can be done and more, um, more is possible. So you had mentioned that you didn't really know what the house was going to look like when you got here. You weren't sure at what stage it was going to be, and you mentioned how you didn't know if it was just going to be us three working on it, uh, but you said that there was a crew here. So tell us a little bit about what was the state of the house when we got here? What did you see? What were you expecting or, or maybe something that you didn't expect? And, and what was the, the situation when we arrived for this week? Um, well, I'll start because I, I saw pictures. You were sending me pictures of the walls being erected. Thanks and, for sharing those, by the way. Um, yeah, you bet. <laughs> I didn't have your number right. <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's all good. I, uh, I saw the pictures that Nate had sent me and um, saw the, the walls were erected. And, um, but you, 
when when getting there, you realize just all the intricacies of what it takes to build a house that's dry. You know, the uh, there was a big open hole on the side of the roof, which there's a plan to continue the construction to the other side for another room down the road. But in the meantime, you have to cover that. And uh, the rain was coming, and so we're kind of concerned about that. But um, and but the things, the other things that strike you is just like how they do things differently. Uh, putting up the drywall, we're looking for the lumber to build the walls, and realize, oh, they're just going to take gypsum and put it straight against the concrete, and that's something I've never seen before, and I don't know that Ryan has either, being in uh, formerly being in construction himself. So, uh, but honestly, at the same time, it wasn't. There was also no expectations. I just was like. If you want me to mix concrete, if you want me to shovel, if you want me to dig a hole, you know, whatever it, it was, we really didn't have too many expectations. I think mm-hmm. I, I could say that about you as well, Ryan. Yeah, so I, I didn't have the benefit of any pictures beforehand. So um, when we arrived on the job site, uh, to see that the, the structure was up, um, meaning there was a roof, there were some walls, um, the windows were wide open, the door was wide open, and you had to climb a ladder to try to get in the house because it was just, you know, five foot of... A ladder of, is a... a ladder is probably a stretch, right? It was a... Uh, slash pallet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we flipped a pallet upside down, and that's our ladder. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a struggle to get in uh, and not winterized, not, not waterproof, and obviously we're, we're in the fall to winter season, so um, as you're thinking about a house uh, to, to kind of seal it up so it holds heat <laughs> and uh, um, keeps the rain off. I mean, that's the whole point of a shelter. So uh, I was actually excited, to be honest with you, when I first saw it because it, <clears throat> it told me that there was a lot of opportunity to help. We weren't coming at the end of construction to help sweep out a few rooms and move in whatever makeshift beds they may have or you know whatever it was it was we came to really work and that was exciting that was exciting to see the um the transformation over the week from a shell to a home yeah so what were we able to accomplish how much were we able to finish this week so um when we showed up we we kind of surveyed the land if you will and and roman what an amazing man you have there um in your church um um talking with him obviously through translation and um kind of getting his game plan about order of operations if you will um but we were able to um go in by windows and doors um get the windows installed um by the end the end of the week we also got a few doors installed so that's nice um we were able to um, drywall the whole inside. Yep, all three uh, three rooms, three of the four rooms in the bathroom. Then the uh, they're set to be able to put up the drywall in that smaller bathroom, so it shouldn't take too much. Yeah, time we didn't have the, the green board for that. Um, the, all the ceilings were were then hung and and uh, sealed off. We were able to insulate uh, the wiring for electrical. The the rough ends were completed. Um, just the wires hadn't yet been run. Uh, weren't quite ready for that yet. Chimney was constructed. Insulation was laid. Insulation was laid. We sealed off the... 
sealed south, off that big open space that, big that we old, were talking about. The big old open space and began construction on the, the front stoop so that uh, getting to the house was no longer um, uh, a rock climbing <laughs> a rock climbing challenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned a little bit about talking with Roman through translation. What was that like for you this week uh, working with uh, there was about seven or eight of us working together at one time. What was that like trying to work with people who just didn't understand anything you were saying and vice versa? You know, it, there, there's a, a fun challenge um, to that because, like, you don't know the word for hammer uh, at the beginning of the week, right? At, at the end of the week, you start learning, you know, shokran, right? I think, or shokran. Okay, thank you. Um, something similar. You know, at least they understood when I asked for a hammer. They knew even if I was using the wrong word. But um, the, the game of charades um, that you play, trying to be mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I need this, I need that, or whatever else. Um, and then obviously having you to translate in those times where it's like, you know, we call you in from whatever you're working on. And you're like, that's all you need to translate it? You know, it's like, yes, but we couldn't get it. You know, we couldn't get whatever the next step was that we were trying to accomplish. Um, um, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. You learn, too, the, that the spirit of each, of each yeah. person is relatively the same if you are there joyfully. Uh, if you, you know, you, obviously most people listening to this wouldn't know who Ryan is next to me, but he's a very joking uh lighthearted playful kind of person in those environments and so he'll make a joke but then they think that he's trying to make a request or he's you know you know unsure when in fact he's just trying to uh, have fun in the situation and so there would be plenty of confusion but I think by the end of the week they realize oh this is who Ryan is this is his personality so we're just gonna ignore the words coming out of his (laughs) mouth and just respond to his jokingness and realize he's just having fun with us and so I think um, probably the bi- biggest communication device was a smile, you know, it, it's really what it was. And, uh, it's amazing too, how little has to be said mm-hmm. to get a point across of like, or you just pointing from one thing to the next and, and yep, got it, you know? And really the, the crew that Roman has, those young men that, uh, he's using, um, to, to build the different projects or whatever, they're really, really good men. Um, and, and being on a construction site, it's like, we got to do this. You know, you point to drywall, and they're like, yeah, on the wall. It's like, and so some of it that is just fun charades, you know? And, and the language isn't really a barrier. And then you get to have fun with it. That's so. right. <laughs> yeah. Or speak Spanish to Romanians and find out that Spanish is not Romanian. <laughs> yeah, that Ryan would, would start speaking Spanish because in his experience, he's worked with some Spanish uh, people, some Hispanics when he's working construction. So I would hear from the other room him start throwing some Spanish words out there and they just still have no idea what right. he's trying to say. Right. <laughs> uh. Well, we've talked a couple times this week just about... Um, kind of how God has orchestrated all of this and and how he has kind of led us from different places all to be here uh, working on this project. And we might not really ever understand exactly why uh, God put it on Maria's heart, for example, to uh, try to do something for this specific family that was in need. Um, and we don't know exactly why God would put it on Joel's heart and then on Ryan's heart to come and, and to be here. But we do know that he has that uh, sovereign plan over all of this and that he is doing all of this for a reason. 
And as we reflect on that, as you guys reflect on that, especially as our time here is uh, closing, um, what is one thing just for you personally in your uh, relationship with God and, and in your outlook on life that uh, you're kind of taking away from this time being here and just the journey getting here, the week being here, and then moving forward? There's a couple of things that, first of all, about the, the project itself, um, one thing that really became very clear to me is that anyone who gave, and I was saying this all along to people that were giving, because I tried to help raise support as well as you know, you guys had, um, that anyone who gave, that your money, so to speak, was going to be well spent. It was going to be well invested. That um, you know, we're standing there hearing uh, Romans say, "Listen, each of these concrete blocks is is worth." five or six Cokes to us. You know, it's like we're, we, we value every resource. We value every dollar that we're going to spend. Um, and that goes a long way in my mind because... And even getting yelled at for... Yeah, for breaking, for breaking the very <laughs> materials that I went out and purchased. He's like upset with them. I'm like, hey, you know, you're right. Hey, we got we to gotta be good gotta, about this, gotta, you know? Yeah, so, um, but I, that, that struck close that I, I really appreciated um, that. Um, personally speaking, I think that this is a good reminder and, and it, that there, joy comes, comes out of giving, um, that you become more joyful, that um, I become more at peace with, with what I'm doing and where I'm at in life. And a lot of concerns just kind of melt away when you're in this environment. And, and I don't, that doesn't make any sense because I've done plenty of work projects in my own home and I certainly don't have any joy coming out, you know, during those moments. But for whatever here, I'm just very happy to be be there, and I feel that um, that immensely. And that that to me, that comes from God. There's just no other explanation, and and that's what His Word says will happen. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's good. It's not. It, I I highly encourage anyone that has the ability to travel overseas or to to give an admission to to have an open heart and a willing spirit and just watch how you're blessed uh, in more ways than you can imagine. Yeah, for me, uh, this trip comes at a, uh, within a difficult season that I've been in personally where, um, yeah, just working through a lot of hurt and pain. And then to be able to leave that situation <clears throat> and come and serve people in a different situation kind of get out of your own misery <clears throat> and really just um, see how, how great we have it in America and kind of be reminded that, um, one, my season will pass and, and that God is good. And two, to be the solution to <clears throat> other people's suffering, even amidst that suffering that you're currently experiencing. And it's been a really impactful uh, week in that way for me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I get choked up. It's, uh, it, w- it was actually a challenge to come on this trip. Um, like, I was excited when I, when I first heard about it because, uh, yeah, it's, it's just my wheelhouse to, to want to serve and to want to travel. Um, but uh, two days before, I just found... Um, I couldn't pack. I didn't didn't want to get ready. Didn't even do laundry. Like just just the struggle to try to be prepared for the trip, 
And then finally, uh, the day the day I flew out, I threw a bunch of stuff in a bag and just ran out the door. It was kind of like, um, yeah, just a real real struggle to to get here. Um, but what a what a great opportunity to kind of get out of yourself and be the love someone else needs, and and in doing that, finding the joy again, you know, the the peace and realizing, wow that mountain maybe just really is a mohill <laughs> and, and finding encouragement in, in, as I go back and being like, you know, life, life doesn't have to be that way. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that season doesn't have to continue and, and to be able to really move on. Yeah. When I, I'm reminded when the Bible instructs us to show love to one another, it's not with a, a caveat of only if you yourself are feeling loved, or only if you yourself have what you need should you go and give someone else. Uh, it doesn't make that stipulation. And oftentimes we will sit back and wait for someone to come to us before we extend anything to anybody else. Um, but just like what you shared, Ryan, it, there's something about when you are really in need and you step out of that to, to try and help somebody else you gain a new perspective on your own life, and oftentimes the Lord will use that to kind of repair or, or speak to you in your current situation in a way that uh, you wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Yeah. Well, I thank you guys for taking the time to uh, talk to me and talk to all those people listening out there. Uh, We have a couple more days left in Romania. We're going to do a little sightseeing, go up to the mountains, go to Brasov and see some castles and just see uh, cool parts of the country. Um, But we will, I will be keeping everybody updated with the status of the house. You can follow me and uh, Maria on social media and just see how things are going. You can reach out to me. um, And if you have any questions or if you want to talk to Ryan or Joel, I'm sure they would be willing to talk to anybody who has any questions for them. Uh, but thanks for listening. And so, Nate, thank you for um, uh, inviting us over. Yeah. And uh, giving us this opportunity to join with you in the work that you're doing here. Yeah. yeah. No You've problem. been a tremendous host. And yeah. Yeah. I was just saying to Ryan, this has been a great trip. Oh. Yeah. And I know, I mean, we appreciate your efforts making that possible, caring a lot about the details and that we're taken care of, that we get to place to place. Yeah that we see what, what, what you would want to see if you were visiting. Yeah, very thoughtful. So, Thank you. Mm-hmm.